Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, my Survivor friends. Today we have a great show for you. And note that if you are new to the podcast, don't start here. No, 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 no. Go to Season 1, Episode 1. Start there. We're currently between Season 3 and Season 4. And it is July of 2023. And we are listening to some listener-contributed stories while we wait for Season 4 to start in a few weeks. And today, we have a short story by listener Walter called Camping Calls, and it is read professionally by our friend Steve. It's short, and I think you'll dig it. It's a ghost story that you might tell around the campfire, so get yourself in the mood. And after the story, I have a quick conversation with Walter about it. Uh, But after that, I also have this whole thing that I did uh, with Steve and I. We're going to present dueling write-ups of our experience reading The Star's My Destination by Alfred Bester. It's like one of those old variety shows that they had on TV in the 60s and the 70s, right? A real entertainment extravaganza. So enjoy, and I will have a few short outro comments as well at the end. Cheers. Walter Skripek, also known as Mugwa, is a modern-age outdoorsman, woodsman, hiker, and explorer of the lands, along with his trusted companion, Timber, his pup. He's enjoyed a 30-year journey through health care and retiring on good graces to share some tales from outdoor adventures and experiences. With years spent in the forests and lightly traveled areas, Mugwa's exposure to unusual experiences has varied, and it's time for him to share. With his story, titled, Camping Calls Me. I have a favorite camping spot that I frequent, or had frequented. I had done so consistently for about ten years, but not now. I had an experience that deterred me from ever returning to that Pennsylvania State Park. Each Friday I would clear up all of my final duties from work and spring out of the office about noon and I would head off to camp for the weekend with my best friend at that time, Simba, my pup. One Friday I headed out at noon to arrive home. I would have my car pre-packed with tent and gear, and I would return home to grab Vittles and Simba. Then off we'd go. It was a late day in September, and we arrived, 
put in our camping cash from the Iron Ranger, since the campground host was usually gone late in the season. We had a perfect spot that was elevated slightly for great draining, fire ring close to where the tent was, pitched, and silence. Earlier in the summer, the Park Service had installed a phone across the street for 911 purposes. People could still make local calls as well without dropping in a quarter. Few people would camp here, or even fewer knew that you could make those calls, but I entered that phone number in my phone. I am guilty as charged, as I would occasionally prank call and watch campers go to the phone only to pull some stupid joke or fake voice. Cheap, dumb fun. People would use the phone to order food to meet the drop-off at the main road. Town wasn't too far away. After pitching the tent that evening and cooking up some beef stew, Simba and I settled into our routine of looking up at the sky and watching the clouds and world go by. An occasional shooting star or the faint light of a satellite on very clear nights as the tiny speck would drift over. I had time to myself, releasing stress and worries and troubling thoughts. To me, it was silence and beauty unmatched. The phone began ringing. I sat up, looked about on this day to notice that the fall chills had thwarted most campers, and I was the only one that I could see. I walked over to the phone, picked it up, and quietly said, Hello? and waited. There was a rustling on the other end. No words. I hung up and made my way across to my tent again. It rang again. I walked over and answered and kept quiet. I heard a voice that was soft, distant, almost echoing, a quiet voice that said, Charles, oh my, how I have missed you. I said, who is this? A teary voice said, Charles, it's I stood, shocked, and clearly thinking that I recognized the voice. I responded, What? Evelyn, who is this? And why are you doing this? The voice. Oh, Charles, I've missed you and Simba. He's always so good. I was stunned. I looked over to see that Simba was running around my car with tail wagging. I said, this isn't funny. The voice started to talk, but trailed off quietly, getting distant, until it sounded like a quiet murmur. I hung up. 
I hesitantly dialed star six seven. I wasn't expecting it to work on the free emergency phone, but it did. The number it came back to was my cell phone. I felt like the energy and blood drained from me. I chilled. I was speechless. My shoulders slumped. I looked over to my car and Simba. I was sick. I felt like I needed to sit. Each time I would camp, that phone sat in the car. I didn't want to be bothered by it as it was my cell-free weekend. I worked up the effort to run to my car, but I could only shuffle slowly. I looked hard. No shadow. Nothing was observed from the short distance away. I made my way over and looked inside. Sitting on the console was my cell. I wanted to vomit. I looked in the back of the car. I looked at the tent. I looked all around me. I could see my tent and camping spot the entire time that I was on the park phone. I looked again at the park phone station and saw nothing. Simba, my pup, just stared at me with no alarm. I quickly began taking down my tent, my cooler, everything getting tossed into the back seat. Not packing up anything. I just threw it in the car. I looked around me constantly. I was sick to my stomach. Drained, sapped of any energy. My emotions were tearing me apart inside. I scanned all around the site. And when I didn't see anything else that I had forgotten... I jumped in the car with my dog and just took off. I was shaking, quivering hands, tears flowing. I didn't even know why they were flowing. Nose running. I wiped my nose with my sleeve. I got up to a main road and pulled off. I started sobbing. I shut my eyes and choked on phlegm. My dog sat quietly on the seat beside me. Come here, buddy. I hugged him tightly while sobbing into his fur. Then, my cell phone rang. I looked at the screen and saw that it was the park phone. That number was in my contacts from my stupid pranking. I instantly stopped weeping and was terrified confused. I wiped my nose again and I answered. Hello? The quiet voice of Evelyn on the other end simply said, It's okay. Calm down, honey. I'm happy. I'm comfortable. I will see you again. And the sound trailed off, leaving me with my mouth agape and my mind swirling. Evelyn was my wife.
she had passed away eight months prior. My name's Walter. I was a registered nurse for 30 years. Some health reasons, but I also called it quits because, well, I just got tired of the healthcare system in general. So I also have a small business that I've been running. I make embroidered patches. I think, you know, as you know, you've seen some yep. of my work. Yeah, I'm looking at some of them right now. Cool, cool. Yeah. Yeah. And, and turned it into a regular business so I could get out of nursing. <laughs> That's good. That's great. And where do you hail from in this world? I am from Falls Creek, Pennsylvania, which is two hours from two and a half hours north of Pittsburgh, three hours from Erie, pretty much two, three hours from everywhere. North Central. North Central. So North, North Central. Central yeah. All yeah. right. Yeah. I ran a marathon out on Erie, Presque Isle. Yeah. Yeah. That was like yeah. my second home growing up. So we yeah. vacationed there constantly every. I mean, that was my second home. So, all right. So what's this story um, that we're, well, we're reading today? The I'll camping you calls. It, you know, when I read this, I'll tell you my impression. When I read this, it impressed me as the kind of story that you would tell around a campfire on a camping trip, right? Sort of a, yep. a ghost story, right? That is exactly, that was exactly my goal. That state park. I still go to that state park, by the way. The story's fiction. It is the area and the details of me actually going up there and camping, the time I'd spend springing out of the office, grabbing my dog, heading up there. That's all actually um, 100% true. So I actually have told this exact story, and I wrote it down because I'm like, this would be a perfect camp fire story and being that it's a state park that i'm familiar with and the whole scenario is something i'm familiar with i could play upon that so that's that's where this came about this and did the scenario itself fiction complete fiction so did you like the read that steve did yeah i i did i did i like steve you did a he did a nice job he's got a good voice and he's got a great um, voice yeah He's got yeah, he's very, very practiced audio yes. professional. Yeah. Very, very good voice. Just the right areas to pause, uh, you know, the right tone. Yeah, I was I was really pleased with that. I was like, he did an excellent job. So I think it was you. It might have been you in the Facebook group that was talking about the novel, The Stars, My Destiny. Was that you? No. No. With somebody in the Facebook group. But anyhow, this is how I ran into Steve last week is he um, he does he podcast as well. And he was talking about he just got this novel that he was going to read. And it turned out I just got this novel and I was about to read it. So I said, Steve, here's what we'll do. Write and record a review of the novel and I'll do the same and we'll see. We'll compare the two. Right. Won't, won't, we won't compare notes ahead of time. We'll do it afterwards. So I'm going to stick those in this episode as well. Oh, that should be good. Yeah, I was like, hey, you know, Steve, I got this uh, ghost story that you'd be really good at reading. So, so yeah, we worked it out. Yeah, I was I was happy. All right. Well, in, enjoy your summer. I'll let you go. Thanks, thanks for playing along. All right. And uh, I'm already working on season four. We've got some edits in. 
So we'll see what, see what comes out of it. I'm looking forward to it. I think a lot of people are. And um, I'll <laughs> tell you one thing, one additional thing to let people know. And this is people need to take that leap. If you have an idea or a thought or a creative, you know, I've heard you stress it. But um, if you have written material or an idea to write something up, your biggest fear is like rejection. Okay, your biggest fear is that somebody is going to say, oh, that's silly. Uh, you know, I'm not going to listen. But guess what? Just take that leap. I listened to you say that on um, the last episode. And that is such a key thing because you got to be bold. My biggest fear was you don't really want this like, oh, my gosh, you know, is this going to sound stupid or silly? No, man, get it out there. Take that chance. I think you even said if one person listens to it, you've accomplished your task. Right. Yeah. I think we judge ourselves a lot more harshly than than other people do. But one thing you said there a second ago was that you, when you wrote this story, you used all your personal experiences from camping and, and that sort of thing. You know, I do the same thing. A lot of these snippets are things that have happened to me in life or, you know, reasonable facsimiles, right? I'm drawing yeah. on a lot of that. So the other advice I'd have to people is just get out and do stuff. I don't care what it is. You know, drive to the ocean and walk on the beach. Do Lifetime something. Experience. Yeah, because experience is what you draw on when you're painting these scenes. Exactly. So, yep. Excellent job, Chris. I'm looking forward to season four. Me too. All right, man. Have a great weekend. Right. See ya. You too, sir. Bye-bye. All right. Cheers. When not writing and recording, Steve is the grand partitioner of the Pastafarian religious movement and spokesperson on Earth for the giant flying spaghetti monster. Pastafarian, by the way, is a portmanteau of pasta and Rastafarian. A portmanteau is a made-up word that results from combining two other words. For example, podcast which is a portmanteau of iPod and broadcast. 
These are all things you would know if you listen to Steve. What follows are Steve's and my reviews of The Stars My Destination by Alfred Bester. Funny story. And by funny here, I mean ironic or coincidental, where the universe spontaneously resolves into cognition patterns and you think, huh. If you've spent any time roaming around the musty, dusty corners of my brain, you'll know this already, but I am always looking for classic science fiction to read. As prolific a reader as I am, and as many of the classics of the genre that I have managed to get through, there are always seminal works that have evaded my consumption, like crafty space cockroaches. And it was in this way that I found Bester's 1956 novel. In our Facebook group, I asked a simple question, what is your favorite sci-fi book ever and why? And one of the many thoughtful responses, fellow survivor Joe, he recommended The Stars My Destination. And on further consideration, like 23 seconds or less, it seemed like the sort of thing that was directly in the center of my wheelhouse, and I jaunted over to the internet bookstore to buy a used copy. But that's not the funny part of the story. That's just a random Tuesday in my life where someone mentions some dusty old sci-fi content, and I go engage with it. That's not ironic or coincidental at all. That's as funny as getting out of bed in the morning. The funny part of the story starts down by the pond. The pond, you ask, inquisitively. Yes, the pond, I respond thoughtfully. Specifically, that section of the trail behind my house across the road on the other side of the AT&T Tower Hill that runs along the pond. It's about three miles out from where I start my runs. Down by the pond, the trees are thick. The bushes in the summer crowd in. It's a single path, twisty, just wide enough for one person and maybe a dog. And I need to watch where I'm stepping because the roots are high. The rocks stand out from the old fisherman's walk like sullen hermits, intent on my humbling, waiting to grab a lazy footfall and dash my old bag of bones into the brush. It was a humid day, overcast day, and the dog was slowing down in front of me in the way the border collies do when they get tired. He gets right in front of your line of sight, blocks your view of the perilous hermit rocks, and forces me to yell, move it, dog, I'm going to break an ankle. But again, there's nothing ironic or coincidental about me running this section of trail with my dog. That's as common as the crumbs from the bread that fall on the plate as I munch my avocado toast in the morning. The funny part has to do with what I was listening to. You see, I have what these days would be generously called a neurodivergent brain. My brain is always on. It's always thinking, worrying, creating, and flitting from thing to thing. My brain demands to be fed. It demands to be entertained. On this particular humid day with the dog, I was feeding it an old friend. Well, hold on. Not in the direct munchy-crunchy cannibalistic sense. No. In the listening to an old friend talk on his podcast sense. My old friend Steve was one of the old, original podcasters back when it all started. Back in the way back in the early 2000s. He predated my entry into the sport of podcasting by a couple of years. Steve 
doesn't drop content very often these days, so when he does, I give it a listen to see what he's up to. On this particular humid day, down by the pond, with the dog, trying not to fall down, listening to Steve, he offhandedly mentions that he's reading a book. And that book is, drumroll please, The Star's My Destination by Alfred Bester. The same, same book that I had just received in the post from Thrift Books and was about to crack open. Cue the ironic, creepy, coincidental music. That's the funny part. Fast forward to the 4th of July. I'm throwing random stuff into bags to bring with me to our summer house on Cape Cod, and my neurodivergent brain taps me on the shoulder and says, Hey, Bubba, you'd better bring a book or two to read. So I tuck the stars, my destination, into the side pocket of my computer bag where I keep books to be read on trips. Two days alone with my wife at the Cape, I tear through Bester's novel, and as I sit wondering about what I have read, I remember Steve. Okay, okay, I made that part up. It was actually as I was running a human eight miles with the dog on the rail trail down in Cape Cod in the morning that the thought of Steve came back to me. So when I get back and stop sweating, enough to hunch over my laptop, I send Steve an email. I said, hey, I had an odd thought, Steve. Would you write and record a review of Hester's novel for my Apocalypse podcast? To wit... He quickly assented, and here we are. We have tied all those ironic and coincidental threads from the universe nicely together, and my brain doesn't need to fret about them anymore. Included in today's show are Steve's thoughts on The Stars, My Destination. What would you get if you took an angry, vengeful Indiana Jones space pirate, but not in a Han Solo kind of way, and you put him in a universe where Star Trek transporters weren't needed, but kind of happened anyway, and he fights to find an explosive substance that ignites just by thinking about it. Well, then, fellow runners... You're flipping through a copy of Alfred Bester's 1956 science fiction novel, The Stars, My Destination, one of the greatest science fiction epics you've probably never heard of. Here there be no spoilers. It's the 25th century, and humanity has built colonies throughout the solar system, and a new method of transportation has forever changed the socio-economic balance between the inner and outer planets. Within this classic novel, also titled Tiger Tiger, we meet our angry protagonist, a really bad space dude named Gully Foyle. Gully is not happy. Left for dead in the cold darkness of space, he dedicates his life to revenge against those who left him adrift in suffering. And the book is all about how this guy, this space tiger, which sounds like a literary embellishment but definitely makes sense once he reaches the asteroid belt, it's about how he transforms himself from an uneducated, unskilled, bored-with-life kind of mongrel into various other personas, 
driven by hatred and revenge. The book originally received mixed reviews, but in 1978, when commenting on some of the unrealistic space tropes used haphazardly throughout space literature, none other than Carl Sagan listed The Stars My Destination as among stories, quote, that are so tautly constructed so rich in the accommodating details of an unfamiliar society that they sweep me along before I even have a chance to be critical. This is one of those gems of a book that is easy to overlook. I know I did. As an innocent ute who passed this by when looking for my next novel to read at the North Weymouth Public Library, I judged the stars my destination by its cover so I'm here to suggest that you give it a chance epic steampunk brilliantly written and probably one of the greatest science fiction movies never made I mean I just don't see how they could film such a thing the stars my destination is one of the best science fiction novels I've ever read. Gully Foil is my name, and Terra is my nation. Deep Space is my dwelling place. The Stars, my destination. By Alfred Bester. And for corroboration, or perhaps comparison, here are my thoughts on the novel. And I won't say review, because reviews are an art form in their own right that I proffer no claim to. Thoughts are all I have. Thoughts is all you'll get. The edition of the novel that I acquired was a 1996 printing with an introduction by Neil Gaiman. Gaiman, in his introduction, notes how the Stars My Destination is, in many ways, a proto-cyberpunk novel. And I did see that correlation. You get definite whiffs of Neuromancer or the Golden Age in how it starts small but grows to range across time and space and bigger themes. Overall, experience-wise, it is a great read. I was not able to put it down, and I look forward to spending time with it. The arc of the protagonist and the arc of the whole story is well-constructed, and it just pulls you along. It's got that one good idea at its core that everything else revolves around. That idea is that humans can transport instantaneously from place to place, just by engaging a latent talent of the brain. And this talent is discovered when someone is in so much danger or pain, they will themselves to get somewhere else. It's called jaunting. Sort of like how Deadpool got his power. A less ambitious author would have left the story here, revolving around that one good idea, the one good idea. But Bester does not, and there is so much more. It's got a MacGuffin to drive the motivation. But that's really a sideshow. 
The main driver is the growth and flowering of the combined arcs of the story and the character. The arc of the protagonist from illiterate thug to expander of the universe is paired with the evolution of mankind itself in the universe and its place in the universe. And the theme of one man's becoming paired with the universe's becoming. It's brilliant. These skillfully developed larger themes keep the novel from being just Ian Fleming in space. Pockets of this book do remind me of Stainless Steel Rat. The courage to keep building the arc beyond the storyline, beyond the action, to something that questions the meaning of life itself is this novel's brilliance. And that's really the thing that's good about all good, hard science fiction, is it gets those bigger themes. And in this case, the slow build and the different arcs are like so much foreplay to the eventual wonderful, thoughtful, and transcendent payoff. And I can't wait to hear Steve's thoughtful thoughts on this story as well. But my thoughtful thoughts are that The Star is My Destination should be part of every science fiction lover's library. Okay, my Survivor friends, that will do it for this week's show. Thank you for sticking around during the break. I have started working on Season 4, and we will be kicking that off in the next few weeks. I do have a couple other apocalyptic podcasts to share with you to fill your dead spaces. The first is called End of All Hope from Seven Lamb Productions. Someone called this out on our Facebook group, and I've listened through the first two seasons. It looks like there's a total of five seasons, which is great for those of you who like to binge listen, because you can get through the whole story in one go without having to wait for lazy, uninspired writers to get around to it. Seven Lamb, the number seven, hyphen, lamb, like, bah, lamb, is a production company that has quite a few shows of different genres that you may like, something to look at on their website, which I linked here. This is a full-on audio drama with all the sound effects, etc. It's about an alien apocalypse. Season one is a bit rough. You need to get through it. <laughs> it takes them a few shows to get the voice acting right. The first few are very flat and emotionless, but by the second season, they, they figure it out. So give that a listen. The second show you might want to listen to is called Hidden Signal Evergreen from Q Code. And it's a bit of a survivor type tale. It's scientists and industry moguls being trapped in an underground facility during an asteroid strike that may or may not have happened. The acting is good. The production is good. It's topical. It's one of those shows that is recorded in stereo, so you need both earphones in to hear everything. And Q-Code is another production company that has many other audio dramas on offer. Links in the show notes and in the blog post at oldmanapocalypse.com, and those should keep you busy for a while. And it may occur to you to ask, Chris, why are you advertising other people's podcasts? Don't you compete for listeners with them? And that's actually a good question. 
And the answer is, <laughs> right or wrong, I choose to look at things with an abundance assumption. And I would rather share in the expectation that by sharing, we make the pie bigger for everyone instead of fighting over who gets more of the pie. And I also believe in giving, in that you reap what you sow, even if it's only karma. And I've lived long enough to not really care if I'm right or wrong, but just to do what makes me happy and what feels right. And so I share. There are a lot of voices and forces in our modern culture that would like you to consider the universe through a lens of scarcity. And I would advise you not to do that. Instead, assume abundance. You'll be happier and more fun at parties. So act with abundance and keep surviving. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.